A very good Monday morning to everybody out there. Mike McNamara uh, coming to you from Holly Ridge, North Carolina, a little bit south of Camp Lejeune, where I'll be here for the next three weeks. Um, doing a little post doing a little post traumatic winning work. So uh, pretty exciting to me. And um, Grant Newsham going to join me in a little bit different version of the pro program. And let me explain that to you. So in an effort to be able to make the show manageable, why I'm on the road, why I'm speaking. And my speaking days, you know, are about 12-hour days when I do this three times in a day. And uh, so it's about nine hours of presenting content in a day and then an hour before an hour after so it's about by the time you get done with it it's about a 12-hour day which is fun which is fine i'm not a stranger to hard work and doing those things especially uh when it involves uh the concepts of post-traumatic winning um you know but so how do i do the show and continue to to you know put something up that you would find something you would want to listen to so what i've taken to doing is uh today you'll hear grant newsham and i want to apologize in advance for the audio because it's not very good uh grant uh in, in this expeditionary environment for whatever reason we had an issue with skype and his audio was very low and so in order for me to put it on i had to amplify it so after we got done uh, recording it, I had to take his voice, and I had to, I had to amplify it in the audio track. Well, in so doing, you get to, you're gonna hear you're gonna hear my you're gonna hear my breathing. It's disgusting, but it's worth it's worth listening to Grant. And so, I toyed with like throwing the interview out, bringing him back. But I thought, no, you know, and then just doing like a normal hour show. But I'm not going to do that because what he has to say is interesting, as Grant always is. So, but I want to uh, I want to apologize in advance for for the work you'll hear today, and uh, and let you know that uh, I will uh, I will hopefully have the bugs worked out by tomorrow. And I, I don't know what, I, I'm not sure what happened because I didn't have this problem the last time when I had the Mensa brothers on via Skype. Uh, it it worked swimmingly, as they say. So I w I'm not sure what happened this morning. So uh, so you'll hear Grant uh, momentarily. Trip to North Carolina yesterday was uh, was very easy and nice. Um, spent some a couple hours in the Atlanta airport doing a little work and watching a little football. And then uh, got here last night and uh, had a great piece of salmon courtesy of my daughter-in-law. My daughter-in-law is is a great cook. <laughs> And so uh, one of the great things for me about coming back here is the food's awesome. So, yeah, rice, asparagus, and a delicious piece of salmon with uh, some kind of garlic butter and uh, and something else on top of it. I can't remember off the top of my head. Dill. Dill, that's what it was. 
absolutely delicious. So, uh, so anyway, uh, you'll hear Grant Newsom. Uh, you'll hear a beep, and then you'll hear Grant's voice. Um, I'm, uh, as I said, I'll be back here for three weeks, and uh, and I'll spend a week up um, at Cherry Point, which is where I'm headed this morning, and then uh, and then I'll spend a, a, the better part of, of well four or five days of, of the week uh, at New River, and then I'll head down to a Marine Corps installation I've never been to in my life, and that is uh, Buford, South Carolina. So, um, yeah, so going to get around the region a little bit. So I'll be here. So we'll be doing this for a, uh, a couple of, uh, th- about, about three weeks. So, uh, get used to it anyway, but hopefully the rest of it will be better than today. So, uh, the shows will run a little, uh, about an hour. Uh, this run, this one will run about 50 minutes or so. Uh, because of some technical issues, which I apologize for. But uh, nonetheless, as they say in show business, the show must go on. So without further ado, this is Grant Newsham. And uh, the Mensa Brothers or uh, some semblance of Mensa Brothers will join me tomorrow as uh, we make our way uh, uh, through about three weeks of expeditionary versions of All Marine Radio. So... Here's Grant Newsham. Hi, I'm Colleen McNamara, and you're listening to my dad on All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. Pop a top again. I've just got time for one more round. Set them up, my if you listen to the program, you know that. This is part of my ongoing psychological operation to intimidate Grant for when we actually do meet in a uh, karaoke competition, uh, since he is of that ilk. And uh, in spite of his high-bred Virginia upbringing, um, and uh, so slowly but surely, the boa constrictor squeezes his prey to death so uh so joining me for the first time in a few weeks is grant newsham grant uh, first of all uh uh good morning good evening to you on the other side of the planet how are you oh fine thanks it, uh, the news gets better every day <laughs> but but not a bad thing for a writer eh i mean there's no shortage of things to to i mean uh, there's no shortage of things to write about these days yes that's right. I, and I usually, you know, I, I, I try not to chase the headlines, but I write based on resentment. So when I get resentful, well, that's when I get the idea. So there's, uh, with the change of administration and changes, the natural sort of change in things, I have lots of resentment these days. So the the ideas are starting to pour in now. It's getting a little slow for a while. Um, let me just let me ask you about some headlines, and then uh, and and then we'll we'll kind of broaden the conversation uh, from there. But um, the United States, right at the end of the Trump administration, made overtures to Taiwan. Um, can you explain that to us? What what was going on there? Mike Pompeo, very visible. The United States, uh, you know, calling out China for genocide. Um, uh, going out the door. So uh, explain that to us. 
you know, it's as the, the Trump administration was winding down, you, you had a, a number of sort of very uh, sort of vocal or just very direct uh, things that the administration did on, China, on Taiwan's behalf, particularly verbally. Um, you know, they just the, the statements that were made were very clear that the U.S. backs Taiwan, and, and that's that. And they was also almost, and I don't know what happened, but they were going to send the U.S. ambassador, the U.S. UN ambassador, to visit Taiwan, and this would have been a, a great first. Uh, that it didn't happen, and that was a surprise, kind of, but it was also a little disappointing. But it was typical of what the the administration, uh, the outgoing administration, was uh, doing. Uh, was very last minute was doing say these things they had that were making it clear that the Taiwan's an ally and uh, there was some talk that well they're trying to you know amongst the commentary and people who talk about this stuff that it uh, was the administration trying to box in the new administration the Biden crew so that they couldn't back down they couldn't reduce their support for Taiwan uh, without being embarrassed um, but it just as likely that uh, well the Trump administration was doing these things because they're the right thing to do and also that they thought there would be uh, some potential continuity in US policy towards Taiwan the Trump administration was better uh, in its treatment of Taiwan than any administration uh, really in the last 40 years and the, this is, there's been a some bit of bipartisan support for this in Washington. Some claim it's a, fa a lot of it. Um, I think it is a fair amount. I don't think it's quite as uh, solid as, as some people think. Um, so that you know, there's always a, when there's a change of administration, and particularly when it's a new one that uh, that has many people who served in the Obama administration, some of the Clinton administration, there is concern uh, that they are going to go back to a weaker policy towards Taiwan. And one, I think, fairly could say that back then, those people thought Taiwan was an inconvenience, sort of an irritant to this larger U.S.-China relationship, which they thought was more important. And there was a willingness, I think, to uh, sacrifice Taiwan and just hope we would go away quietly, go into enslavement without complaining. And that's, I think, has changed pretty much, not entirely, but enough so that the Trump administration, I think, was in some respects helping out the new team uh, by allowing them to now say, well, it's the Trump people who made these, these rules, we can't help it, it's their fault. And then they just continue with the, uh, the, the policy of stronger support for Taiwan. So there's two ways to look at it, one boxing in and one actually helping out the new people. Uh, time will tell, and I think not too much time will tell, actually, the way uh, things look. Yeah, it is interesting. The uh, the Trump administration uh, not painted in its final days uh, in any uh, in very favorable terms, although you have favorable things to say about them. I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you um, the events in Washington, D.C. these past couple of weeks. Uh, your thoughts on, on, on that? Uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, you know, what, what do you say? It was, uh, uh, 
sort of embarrassing, I think is one way to put it. Uh, one does, of course, need to view it in, in, a, in a context. Um, you know, what it, what it looked like to me was just a, a, the confluence of a, a really a bumbling, angry mob and uh, really an incompetent police force up on Capitol Hill that couldn't handle a, a mid-sized demonstration uh, like this. And yet, and you have to view it in the context of events over really the last four years and the last summer where you had you know, chaos, rioting, burning, looting, uh, murder in our streets. And the administrations of the cities where these were happening, a Democratic run, showed no interest in uh, controlling it. Uh, look at Portland, look at Seattle. Uh, the, the people watched this, and you know, who could not be horrified by, by what, we were, what they were seeing uh, last summer? And it's as if when you hear the commentary on this now, of what happened on January 6th, now it's as if nothing ever happened. Uh, in, in, the, in the summer, that would maybe give people some concern or even offer some context you know, of what, uh, what's serious and, and what isn't. And, you know, one is almost left speechless, you know, at the way this is being handled. It is really, I think, being played now for political control, for power, uh, etc. Presenting this as if this very, uh, use here the word insurrection, or that to me is nonsense. To say it's a bumbling mob and cops that couldn't handle it. Uh, if it, and that in fact it was so incompetent that it raised the suspicion that it was really incompetent. Uh, but if to use that word insurrection, then I don't think anyone's seen a real insurrection if that's the word they're using. But as I said, you know, go back to the summer, go back to the previous inauguration. Does anyone remember the rioting in Washington the day after? Uh, the, the huge protests with celebrities there saying they wanted to blow up the White House, uh, all the threats to Donald Trump, uh, the, the encouragement of violence by really democratic leaders over the, the last three, four years, and nobody has said a word about this. So something happens on January 6th, like as did happen, uh, and say, if I'm not you know, as horrified as, as some would be. It's, it's embarrassing, it's stupid, and it's a distraction. And you see the other side using it uh, really for a, a power grab. I think the uh, Reichstag, Reichstag fire in Germany uh, is a pretty good uh, analogy of what you see happening. But this idea of uh, just destroying your opposition uh, is not how, uh, it's not how any country can continue. And I'm as depressed, I'm really discouraged uh, about this and you, you don't hear a, a voice of reason a voice of the other side uh, you've never heard that anyone you know standing up as, as I said for uh, against this idea of vilifying destroying your opponents uh, and the uh, goodness I'm hardly know what to say, but I say I haven't heard an articulate republic, very many at all, articulate republican voices uh, who are getting heard. Uh, and that's not a good thing. So this, you do get the impression that our, the, the leaders in Washington are, uh, at a certain level, they're kind of the same thing. You know, there are exceptions, of course, but it's, uh, you know, it, the whole thing is disappointing to see. Do you think that this is just another step in what will ultimately be some kind of very violent and deadly event 
that will shake the nation into um, coming back to an understanding of why we compromise, why the truth is important, why elections that we all believe in are important. Um, because, as you said, what I see is, you know, if this was an insurrection, it was the worst. Most insurrections don't, don't you know, disband when a few, you know, co- a few more cops show up. That's not the purpose of an insurrection, okay? Um, and so um, do you believe this is just one other event uh, like the shooting of Steve Scalise that day uh, on a downward spiral of American political discourse that will ultimately uh, empower some crazies with weapons to go do crazy things that will leave the nation... Um, um, and it will be, in my opinion, it will be so bad that the nation will have to sit down and have a serious conversation about why can't we compromise anymore? Why can't we, uh, why isn't our discourse more articulate, more measured, more respectful? Because uh, those are the things that make a democracy gr- uh, run, and we've lost those. So, do you, I mean, is this just another part of the downward spiral? Because what you've seen from the Biden administration as they've taken over is um is is no olive branch certainly it's no reaching out i mean they say those words and then all their policy actions are the other way so um how do you see this going how do you see this ending grant uh, well a couple of ways you know as, as you, you've noted uh, that uh, uh, you know, extremism always it tends to lead to other extremism from the other end uh, you know, there's always a reaction, and it's always an extreme reaction. So one shouldn't be surprised at you know at this. You know, it's a this is a big country, and I wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort. You know, if, if this continues, that you do get a, a reaction, some event that really does sort of wake people. Hope they wake people a It could just be that one side uh, gets so much control of the different levers of power. Uh, that it all just ends with a whimper and the, the party and people who don't like it they have a, they can sort of shut up up and try and get or you know, or do whatever they don't leave the country but now there's nowhere else to go uh, but it, it's really is troubling so you may get that fierce reaction that you know, that scares some people to their senses. Uh, and, or you could get the, as I say, the uh, situation, if you think like uh, the way big U.S. big cities historically when they're run by a machine, uh, there's only one party, there's only one way of doing things, and if you want to live, you have to go along. And one wonders if that could be put in place on a national level. Uh, that is not, uh, that's not America. It's not, it's not a free, independent country where you know people are you know, have the, the freedoms to do to live their lives as they want to live them it is interesting you mentioned the, the steve scalise uh shooting when the really a democrat a supporter of bernie sanders uh tried to murder the entire sort of republican baseball team uh, and that gets almost no attention it, it got almost no attention at the time it's just amazing how little concern there was on the democratic side um and that shows you, one, what can happen, but it also shows you, I think, the, the ferocity 
of at least one side of this political debate, or what should be a political debate. Uh, and that, as I say, the fact that now we're talking, all we hear about is the violence, this threat of so-called right-wing violence. What about the Steve Scalise shooting? I mean, that it tends to actually sicken you when you see the res- how that was handled and just the lack of remorse by uh, the the other side, the side that was responsible for it. It was very natural to have a shooting like that, given the venom, the vitriol uh, directed towards towards a duly elected president. Uh, but, but going back to the insurrection that you mentioned, uh, the you know you do look at you know, the insurrection. I mean, these were, were kind of sure, one, a lot of boobs, but also just curiosity seekers. You, know, you notice how they just sort of walked out. You know, this was like the end of a fire drill in Our Lady of Hope, third grade class. Uh, you know, that's because such things are understood. Um, so this is, uh, you know, it's all, it's something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. You know, this, what really happened in the, in the U.S. I got a whiff of it starting about 30 years ago when you could see that uh, on one side, the opposition was viewed as, as not just diff- having differing opinions, but actually being evil and des- deserving of no voice, in fact, deserving of destruction. And that was always a frightening thing to see. I didn't think it would play out as fast as it has. Uh, I think the the Chinese virus is the uh, really the gave the, the, the impetus or the cover over the people that wanted to do this to move things forward very quickly. Uh, so I never thought I'd see it, and I don't know how this is going to play out. Let's switch gears. Tell me about our new Secretary of State and his um, his his history um, uh, relative to the Pacific Rim, and uh, how do you see his hand steering uh, future American policy given his past? Well, you know, yeah, that's the thing. You know, you can, can look at their past and, you know, they it, it'd be like getting, um, say you uh, put your money into a stockbroker and say he returned like minus, so oh, minus 3%, you know, for your money for four years. And you, whoa, you know, you'd be kind of not be all that impressed with him. And then suppose he came back and he begged you to let, you know, somehow you, you, somehow you put your money back with him again. Uh, you'd have some concerns that he's going to lose your money again. Uh, and, you know, this is despite the fact he's pedigreed, you know, he's been to the, he's been to Wharton, he you know, has these long list of credentials, and, uh, degrees and positions held, and he speaks French. Um, but he still lost his money, lost your money when he was running your, when he had uh, responsibility for your portfolio a few years earlier. And now he's back. And he's got your money again. And you're, you're of course, concerned as to how he's going to do. You hope he's gotten smarter, that he's learned his lessons from before. And that's what you're hoping with uh, the entire Biden team. But but with uh, the, the Secretary of State in particular, uh, you know, so you hope that he learned his lesson. And also that he's really afraid of being embarrassed, uh, that if he's you know, accommodates the Chinese if he allows them to further strengthen their uh, their power in Asia and worldwide and over us uh, and, and over the people who are expecting America to defend them, that will 
you know, that's not going to be a good thing. So he, he may be particularly concerned about that. So I think these guys actually might do better than, than they did last time. You know, they could hardly do much worse. But I think they'll do better. You know, these, these are intelligent people, and they, you know, I think hopefully learn some lessons. Uh, but within a, an administration, you know, even if you have people who do have a good sense of, of what needs done, uh, they face a lot of opposition within the administration itself. You'll have people who, whose real interest is, a, say, a national health care uh, or a sort of a national dental plan or something like that, or who see uh, social justice as where the focus should be. Others who uh, may think even that Asia isn't all that important or that even uh, what the Chinese have going is actually a pretty good thing and that we all need to cooperate or that climate change is the big deal. So you have to look at the Secretary of State as just one player uh, in the administration, and there's a lot of competing interests. And we've talked about Wall Street before, and they'll be applying pressure, as will the business classes. And that is, uh, they generally don't want to have a, a sensible, sort of tougher a policy that looks after U.S. interests uh, anywhere around the world, and in Asia in particular. So, you know, we'll see. You know, you have to give these guys a, a chance. And, you know, they wouldn't be, if I was choosing a team, this wouldn't have been the people I would have chosen. But nonetheless, uh, you know, you you want them to succeed and you hope they do. And they've, you know, they, you know, so I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt uh, now, but with about the same time remembering, you know, just how well they handled our money uh, the last time that they had the have a chance but you have to give them a chance got it um and you say his name anthony blinken mm-hmm. all right uh this is a quote this is from the south the south china morning post quote i also believe that president trump well hold on he said this uh this is the first quote they have in his confirmation hearing. I think that we've seen in recent years, particularly since the rise of Xi Jinping as leader, has been that the hiding and biding has gone away. And that's him referencing, I think, being gracious to Americans, giving them a pass in the past that America thought uh, and the free world thought that China would become this vision of the elder bush. As they became more integrated in the world economy, they would come to a more liberal brand of governance, uh, some form of socialism. That clearly is not the case. He goes on to say this. I also believe that President Trump was right in taking a tougher approach to China. I disagree very much with the way that he went about it in a number of areas. But the basic principle was the right one. And I think he's actually helpful to our foreign policy. So I think that, you know, that what you're saying is uh, he's saying the right things, but uh, the proof is certainly in the pudding, which uh, takes me to the next question. How long will China wait before it tests the the Biden administration? Well, they've already tested it, but I'll get to that in a minute. But going back to Mr. Blinken's testimony, um, you know, I, I thought that Donald Trump was evil. I thought he had destroyed our relationships. I thought he had left America in a horrible position. Uh, that's all you hear. Uh, and from people like him, uh, who've been sniping at Mr. Trump for four years and, and Trump's advisors, and now he's saying, well, he actually, Trump actually got some things right. Uh, well, were you lying then or are you lying now? Um, and I am a little irked at this because you hear him, he's also said, well, 
we were all mistaken. Everybody thought China would naturally liberalize, become a nicer country. Everybody thought that. No, people like him thought that. Uh, this was obvious at least 15, 20 years ago, what was going to happen. 30 years is more like it. And there were plenty of people who knew that, and they were all ignored, ostracized, punished, uh, humiliated, you know, take your pick. Uh, it was guys like him you know, who were part of that, that mob that was wrong, and they got it so wrong that they put America in a position where we just might lose a fight with the Chinese. So uh, it's nice that he seems to have woken up, but when he says that everybody was mistaken, he should be much more precise in his language there. Um, though, so once again, you know, better late than never, I suppose, but these people, it's going to be lance corporals and sailors who pay for this in large numbers. It won't be these people like him who are up there on their confirmation hearings. and They never suffer for their the mistakes and for losing our money. Uh, but it's going to be, as I said, it's going to be a lot of young people who are going to die as a result of this. Uh, if things uh, don't work out uh, in, a, in a very favorable way that I can't quite see it at the moment. Um, that said, uh, we'll have to give them a chance. And, you know, the... Uh, you know, we're all on the same team, and you want these people to succeed, and they're going to try their best. Uh, now, in terms of a, a test of the Biden administration, I think I thought I think I've written that I thought within three months China would do something to test them, uh, and it actually took about three days. Uh, and what I'm referring to is it's down in. Uh, to the South China Sea, sort of in between and uh, the Process Islands, which are sort of farther to the west, closer to the Chinese mainland. Uh, in the last Saturday and Sunday, the Chinese sent um, each day about a dozen, more or less, uh, bombers and fighters into what is the Chinese, uh, the Taiwanese ADIS, the Air Defense Identification Zone. And this was uh, um, unusual. They they do fly there often enough, but not in those numbers, not with that configuration of aircraft. And this is uh, this is a test for Biden. This isn't just um, pushing the the Taiwanese. Uh, the China's been doing that a lot, but this is, I think, a real push. Uh, to see how much heat the Chinese, uh, the, the Biden administration can handle. And you'll notice that the, the new administration isn't even, in, it's barely in office. I'll bet that uh, Secretary of State Blim probably hasn't even had his initial staff meetings at the State Department uh, to sort of get themselves settled in. And here you have uh, the Chinese launching this kind of a, a display or provocation uh, to see what the Americans do. And that didn't take long. And we'll find out. You know, I, I think that the Chinese have decided that they're going to push and they're going to see how the Americans respond. So the, I think the response was pretty good. Um, there's, of course, the couple things. is the, the, the U, USS Teddy Roosevelt, the carrier strike group, entered the South China Sea on either Saturday or Sunday, depending on uh, which account you, you read. But the uh, but it's, more than that, there's even there's what the uh, administration, the State Department said, and they wouldn't have said it, I don't think, without clearance from the White House, is that the um, after these, these aircraft went in 
to the Taiwanese airspace, the State Department you know, issued a press release, which is uh, basically it's uh, almost uh, a message. It's not just a normal press release. Uh, they said, you know, to China, you know, we don't like what you're doing. Stop it. And we will stand with our friends and our allies, including Taiwan. Uh, the State Department specifically said we're going to deepen our ties with Taiwan and maintain a rock-solid commitment to Taiwan to include uh, their defense capability. And that is unusually straightforward uh, language, and it's, it's almost a full-throttled defense of the Taiwan uh, the Taiwanese position. Uh, and also there was a, you'd have to really follow this stuff to understand it, there was a reference made to, um, what, what do you call it, the, um, uh, goodness, the, it's like the sixth, um, I just can't think of it at the moment, um, but in the statement, um, it made a reference to the previous commitments that uh, Washington has given Taiwan, and one of these is known as the Six Assurances, and that is a, uh, and it was assurance number five that is that's in there. That's most important here is it's that the U.S. Uh, does not basically does not accept China's claim to owning Taiwan, and to specifically state this by the new administration was a very good thing because the. There's always been you know, some concern that they would uh, try to finesse things so that well, it looked like we were committed to Taiwan, but we really weren't. But here they pretty much said that, you know, we're with Taiwan. Uh, and that's that. And so this was, it was a good response. Uh, this uh, is the beginning, of, I think, of um, more Chinese pressure, but uh, I think the administration and the people there responded uh, pretty well so far. You know, but they say this is just the start. Uh, it is interesting that that they had given the administration had given some hints that you know, that they just wanted to dial down the, uh, the tension with China. You know, stop using nasty language, uh, etc. You just dial things down a bit. And it looks as though the Chinese aren't interested in dialing it down. So this is going to be very interesting to watch. And I think this was a, what's going on down, uh, down to the southwest is a, it's a big deal. And, you know, we'll see how this plays out. So far, so good. It's only been three days. But uh, considering what an administration could have done, what could have said uh, that this, I think they did well. The incoming Secretary of State um, was asked about um, about the Senkaku Islands, and um, he, the headlines: U.S. Defense Secretary reaffirms commitment to Japan over Senkaku Islands. Um, is this anything new? Is this significant as well? As you said, in as in the first steps of uh, the Biden administration. I think this is a lot less significant than the statements they've made about the Chinese uh, aircraft uh, down to the southwest. Uh, the Obama administration said the same thing. The Reagan about the Senkakus, the Reagan, uh, the Trump administration did too. So you'd expect the Biden's people would also. And really, all they said is that. Uh, Article 5 of the U.S.-Japan Defense Treaty covers the 
Senkakus, which, depending on how you interpret it, means that the Americans will help Japan defend the Senkakus if China does something. Uh, and the Japanese have always been very concerned about whether or not the Americans will help them in a fight down that a ways. Uh, so it's it's good, you know, the Japanese like to hear the assurance, but uh, but that it's all nice. But at the same time, uh, you then have to ask, well, what are we doing down there to actually deter to to defend the place? And the answer is not very much. You know, we don't regularly do, in fact, I don't think we do at all, you know, joint uh, China, China, U.S., Japan, uh, patrols, exercises, operations down in the region. Uh, they just, they don't do it. And the idea is, well, you don't want to provoke China. And Japan is partly to blame. I'm not aware that Japan has really asked us to do that. The Americans don't seem to have proposed it with any sort of seriousness. Uh, and that's really the, that's the, the the litmus test is are we down there operating in the region? Uh, and the answer is no. Uh, so I'm not you know convinced by all these promises. And the uh, the Chinese aren't either. They can read it. You know they can um, sort of see what's going on. And you know they would take our lack of presence down there as a, a sign we're not interested. And you. It really is. It is about that important. You know, if you're not there, uh, it shows you're, you're not interested. Now, the, the Americans actually have a couple of firing ranges down near the Senkakus uh, that they are entitled to use under the U.S.-Japan Defense Treaty, but they haven't used them since Jimmy Carter was president uh, back in the 70s. Uh, they should be down there using it. And as I said, if you, it needs to be a, a joint defense of the region and a constant presence down there because the Chinese presence. Uh, has stepped up. And just the other day, the Chinese passed a law, a domestic law, which gives their Coast Guard the legal authority to uh, shoot at people in Chinese territory. And the Chinese say that this is their territory, and the, the Senkakus belong to China. So it's Chinese territory. If the Chinese Coast Guard shoots at a Japanese ship, Governance or military or fishing boat, well, that's, that's what you do in your own territory. So the Japanese government, of course, protested this sort of. Uh, but if you're not down there, uh, you, know, you can talk all you want. So the, the Chinese, uh, a few years ago, actually four or so, I, they were quoted as saying, well, we can take administrative control of the Senkakus anytime we want. We're just waiting for the right time. So China's you know, plans to take it, you know, put or present the, the Japanese and the Americans with a situation that we cannot respond to without shooting, and they think that we will back down. So the fact that's a really long-winded way of saying that the fact the Biden administration uh, made the statement it did, it has less significance than you know, I would than, than most than it, it seems. So. I'm a little pessimistic about that because we've had a decade to get this right and still haven't done it. Uh, and this is not, it's not good. And, and China is looking for a fight. Now, they are now the, the 21 year old sort of muscular guy with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, it's, and as I say, they smell blood. Uh, so this new administration is going to have to uh, really be ready. You know, and I hope they've thought through, they have thought through these things. Um, let me ask you one last question, and I will let you go in this 
new shorter version that I'm doing for about three weeks while I'm speaking here on the East Coast. Um, what are you, relative to the new administration and all the different things that we see, and again, we we all read about the Coast Guard order, um, Australia very much in the news, fighting both with China, Australia taking on all comers, right? Fighting Google and China at the same time. Um, two of the largest governments on the planet. And um, and what are you looking at, Grant, uh, in terms of, as you watched the region, um, is there something that has your attention these days that you would say bears watching? Uh, I would say Taiwan uh, in particular, uh, that you know, this is uh, Taiwan and the South China Sea, because this is where I really am most concerned, uh, is that there is going to be a move made against uh, some offshore territory, uh, really to dare the Americans to do something about it and to scare the daylights out of Taiwan. And the, or, or, and you may see some other uh, countries' territory, these little islands in the South China Sea, might actually be uh, on the menu for China as well. So Taiwan, South China Sea, that's where I'm... Uh, particularly focused, but also, as you said, you kind of have. It's always good to look at the whole map and to watch the Chinese efforts, and not just military, but particularly the the economic, uh, commercial efforts that are just that have often have a military purpose to them. Uh, but they're really you have to stand back in awe of just how thoroughgoing, widespread, and just in every part of the map. You see Chinese uh, sort of business people, Chinese um, development efforts, um, most of it the foreign currency, part of that, of course, funded by Wall Street, directly or indirectly. Uh, but you, you see them all over the place, and it's this, it's a form of political warfare that is, as I say, it's so widespread that, you know, while if you just focus on the military, that you could find yourself just in a position where the, the Chinese influence is so widespread that uh, you have more and more nations just drop off and tell America, look, we love you, but the, the Chinese, they're here all the time, they give us money, and there's no need for the U.S. Navy to stop by. Uh, in fact, we're going to let the Chinese Navy come in, in fact. So you see, say so you look at it beyond the military, look at the entire map, uh, and you watch this, and it's like watching somebody slide off a roof from 100 yards away, and you can't stop it. So somehow, uh, the new administration is going to have to figure out a way to arrest this and to work with countries that don't want to be dominated by China. Uh, but in the immediate term, like if you turn on the, the news one morning, and uh, where has something bad happened? I, I think Taiwan and South China Sea is where I would focus, uh, focus first. All right, and... Uh... Our customary final question to you is, what are you writing next, and where are we going to see it? Oh, boy. I'm not sure exactly where. I just wrote something for uh, Asia Times, though I wrote it four years ago, and I just updated it. But what it is is, four years ago, I gave some uh, unsolicited advice to the U.S. ambassador going to Japan. Uh, that was, And... You know, I laid out, look, this, these are the things you're going to have to watch out for, and this is the excuses the embassy staff are going to give you, and the Japanese are going to give you. But this is what you need to watch out for, and this is what you need to do. And, you know, and so I've you know, taken score, taken 
almost or after four years and they've done they've accomplished almost nothing um the uh, or you'll see i maybe i'm not sure if i'm too pessimistic but i'd like to think i'm realistic uh so i've updated it there's more new advice for the the Biden administration's ambassador to, to Japan. So that just appeared in Asia Times, uh, this, I think, uh, just yesterday or today or so. It's, um, but the next thing, there's going to be a couple things. One on uh, this, the, the Taiwan business uh, with the Chinese aircraft. There's something there. And also, check on this, uh, address this idea that you hear from the, the Biden team that Trump destroyed our relationships in the region and that the Biden team is going to restore these relationships. And so I'm going to sort of try and add a little clarity to that uh, cliche, which isn't really true. Uh, so that's the, the next thing that I've, I've got going. Uh, can I offer you some advice? I would love to see kind of a, um, the way, I would write it and would like to read it would be this Vietnam this is what Trump inherited this is what he did and this is where we sit today right so kind of like a scorecard if you were at a Washington Senators game before you know the thing you would read that the reporters would get in the press box so this is uh, this is where we were in the last you know 15 games ago this is where we are today and this is what we expect tomorrow or, or at this afternoon's ball game so so with the idea of that kind of scorecard in your head, Grant, uh, make us proud. Uh, I will actually. I wrote one actually um, uh, a few months ago. I'll send it to you. All right. I'd love to, love yeah, to read I it. Mentioned, I mentioned Kenny Harrelson and Jim King and Don Locke and, <laughs> and, 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 and uh, they all get a mention as well. I think they could have done better. Than, no, no, but you, your point is it's the, the right one when you stop and look at this. The, the Trump administration actually fixed a lot of things. They fixed a lot of things uh, and left the Biden administration with actually a pretty good hand to play. And yet, so that's one of the reasons it's so, sort of irksome to hear these, these uh, it's, it's like a clique in high school making fun of some unpopular student that, you know, he ruined everything. He stinks, he smells, his clothes are horrible. Uh, and when you stop and look at it, well, no, it's actually, you know, that isn't how it is at all. So they actually did a, a good job, of, a pretty good job of it. You know, nobody does it perfectly. But um, so, uh, yeah, that's where the this latest article about uh, re restoring relationships, it's going to uh, address that. It kind of, kind of writes itself. Um, you know, when you consider that the president of uh, the Philippines called... Uh, Mr. Obama, a son of a pick. Um, and uh, how good was that relationship? Must have been excellent. So it's, uh, sometimes if you just like, look at the facts, things uh, have become clearer. So I'll, um, I'll uh, send it to you first. All right. Uh, yeah, I want to see, see your scorecard. But again, you're right. I mean, that, that uh, again, since we all look at the world extremely differently, um, I think somebody, you know, pointing out the facts in a very basic way and i think that quote should stand prominent uh about you know about you know american uh relations in the region when the president of the philippines you know says this about the uh the president of the united states and uh but people as you said people forget and and there's also the whole 
uh, memory of convenience thing that we know happens in politics. So um, anyway. All right, Grant. Well, first of all, I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day and uh, and wish you all the best. And uh, we won't wait so long to talk to you next time. Uh, and thank you very much for hanging out this morning. Sure. Okay. Always enjoy it. That'll do it. That is Grant Newsham here on a Monday morning with apology. <laughs> With apologize, uh, with apologies for the horrible audio, um, but Grant's worth it. And uh, if you feel like you've been living in my diaphragm, uh, I want to personally apologize for that. So, uh, so that'll do it. Have a uh, have a great Monday. Um, tomorrow we'll have the bugs worked out. You should hear one or more of the Mensa brothers tomorrow. Uh, they're going to join me for a couple of days. And uh, as uh, I kind of go through the expeditionary thing, shorten the show to an hour again so I can do it and see what happens. But uh, working fr- through some technology issues this morning. So have a great day. As always, don't be afraid to go out there and change somebody's life. Um, so on a Monday, I am out. See ya.